To stay on top in business, stay on top of your technology with the new Business Desk podcast, the business of tech. Listen on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. Ian Callum is our guest. He saw an E-Type Jag as a kid and thought, hang on, that's for me. So he went on to work for Jaguar and Ford and Aston Martin. He designed the Jaguar XK, the XJ, the F-Type, the Cosworth Escort, the famed DB7, the DB9 and the Vanquish. He's in the country at the moment to celebrate 100 years of Jaguar and is with us. Good morning. Thank you. It's great to be here. Absolute delight to meet you. Uh, No one is more obsessive about cars than I am, although you'll probably say, no, I am. So, well, you know, I've had a few years of them. But, yes, you uh, have. So the story, <coughs> the, the, I love the story and confirm it's true. So you're a little kid, you're staring in the window, granddad takes you down to the Jaguar dealership. Yep, in Edinburgh. Uh, dealership is called Rossley's, it's an old Scottish firm. And uh, there I saw an E-Type Jaguar, it's 1961 this would be. So I'd be minus seven years old. And I thought, I want to be part of that company. No, so it was the company you wanted to be a part of? Yeah, I wanted to be. Well, I realised by the time I grew up, this car would be a bit old-fashioned, so I thought I wanted to be part of of, of the Jaguar company. And so that, that prevailed. I mean, I wrote to them later on in life, and, and on it went. It's really weird. And it, I didn't go looking for it. The weird thing was that um, they offered me the job while I was uh, at TWR, and I'm sure you've heard of TWR and yes. Tom Walkinshaw, and uh, they offered me the job, and I ended up at Jaguar in 1999 just by... Fortuitous luck, really. What makes you who you are? Is car design design or art? <laughs> Good question. I think it's an art form. A lot of people argue otherwise, but it has to be an art form that works. Clearly, it has to work. Now, um, I always used to love having the discussion with various people about you know, form following function. And I used to say in, 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 in respect of Jaguar, well, part of Jaguar's function was to be beautiful. Mm. And that got me around a lot of stuff. So um, it, it's, it's an art form. There's no doubt about it. The fact it repeats itself 100,000 times in particular models, I don't think it's neither here nor there. The, the process of creating a car and shape and form and line is very much about the eye and, and, and an artistic flair. I've got no doubt about that. Because that's why I love your story. It's one thing to be with your granddad looking at an E-Type, because we've all looked at an E-Type mm. and, and we can all see what it is, yeah. but we can't all go and draw cars and end up doing what mm. you, you've done. So clearly there's a natural gift there. When did you discover the magic? Well, actually, it was before then. I mean, I fell in love with Jaguar about that time, but before then I was drawing things around the house and, uh, you know, like the TV set and the... The vacuum cleaner, which happened to be a Hoover 216, designed by a guy called Dreyfus, which I later discovered, and he was a very famous industrial designer. So I was picking up on this stuff at a very young age. I'm talking preschool age. And uh, and then I discovered motor cars, and I was infatuated by them because my father didn't have a car. And uh, I remember one day seeing a Porsche 356 drive past, a silver one, and it would be brand new. You yeah, know, It wasn't yeah, some old yeah, classic. Yeah, it was a brand yeah, new yeah, car. Yeah, and I thought, wow. <clears throat> so I wanted to be part of that world. And Fantastic. I started drawing cars. And, and I went, my first day at uh, primary school, I said to the teacher, I want to be a car designer. And she kind of just shrugged me off and said yes. As they do. As they do. And they always did, right through school. Uh, anyway, academia is a is a. Do, do you get joy, and you mentioned TWR, and you mm. were working for Ford, and you worked, for example, on, on escorts. Do you get joy... As much joy on a, a, a simpler, more pedestrian car as you do on a DB9. Yes, absolutely, because they're actually more challenging. And from a design point of view, you've got to have to create something which generally needs to be more cre- um, practical. 
and also at a cost. The great thing about learning your craft at Ford is you do learn about these things very quickly. You know, you can't just do anything. You have to do things at a cost and at a within a process. And and that's a very, very good discipline. And when you get into more luxurious products, that becomes a little easier, obviously, because there's more money to spend. But it's always there. But I get I get great joy in, in designing anything, really. But you have to understand where you're trying to go, you know. Mm-hmm. You, I always say to people, try and work out before you start where your balance between functionality and aesthetic is. If you're going to design a transit, for instance, it's very clear what the function is. Right. It still has to be designed and look right, but it's about the volume. Whereas you design a two-seater sports car, it's a completely different set of rules. And, yeah. but you, and what I found at, at work was you ended up having this discussion, dare I say arguments at times, about where that line lay. You know, and the marketing guys always wanted more headroom. The design guys wanted a lower roof. I mean, this is a very typical example, no matter where you are. Yeah. And uh, you say, well, if you have a higher roof, it's not going to look as good. And you're going through that sort of process. Right, let's talk Aston's and, and, and all the reading I've done. Is, is the DB9 yours? Yes. It's your car, you yes, designed the DB9. Yes. Surely that's a mic drop moment. That's all you ever needed to do. Yes, I mean, it started off, it's a rather controversial car. It started off designing it for Jaguar. I mean, a lot mm. of people know this story. And then we could see that Jaguar didn't really want it, you know, and Walkinshaw was trying to nudge his way into the business there and, Anyway, he found a new client in Aston Martin, and he said to me while we're designing it, he said, this car's going to be an Aston. So think Aston, don't think Jaguar anymore. And so the car evolved into a different car. I did that car almost entirely on my own, which was actually quite daunting, you know, because you've got nobody to bounce off of, nobody to say it's it's rubbish here. You can't say that, you can't look at a DB9 at any point and say it's rubbish. It's one of the most beautiful cars ever. Well, thank you, thank you. And, you know, I look at them now, I think they're not bad, you know, they've got a few (laughs) little flaws. But but the thing was, yeah, it was was afterwards I realised, and they said it was going to be called a a DB7. Mm. Um, They said, uh, you know, it's going to pick up an heritage of the 4, 5 and 6. And I thought, wow, that's impressive. And at that point I realised my life was about to change. Yeah. And it did. I'm not surprised. The funny thing is, uh, and I don't want to lose audience by going down minutiae, but you also did the Vanquish. Yes. I think the Vanquish is almost more beautiful than the DB9, but never quite got the credit it deserved. It, it, yeah, the, the Vanquish was really my statement to the world that I can do this. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'd done the 7 and the 9 was about to come along. And, and I um, really worked hard to get that car to pick up a kind of muscular, but beautiful feel. It's a very difficult balance. Mm. And when we created it, we only had one design review with Jack Nasser. One. I mean, that's unheard of. you be kidding me. No, that's, that was it. One design review we had. Jack Nasser and Bob Dover, who was the MD of, uh, of, of Aston Martin. And we didn't have another design review. I mean, normally you go through a whole process of car design. That's 20. So what do you do? So here's what we got, and he goes, oh, that looks good. And he came in, he looked at the car, says that he thought the tail lamps looked a bit Americana, try and make them gentler, so we did. And that was it, job done. Unbelievable. And it, it never really changed from that point. And because it has his blessing, you know, he was yeah. top man at the time. And, and it, it was great. And it had that spontaneity about it. And what I wanted was to give this car a sense of life and the spontaneity of, of pencil and paper. You know, that, that idea has just been drawn and it's mm. happened. And that's part of my job is to pick up that sense of spontaneity. Now, when you go through a process in a corporation, naturally, it's like any creative process. If, if you've got two or 300 people involved, exactly, 
trying to get hold onto that is hard work. But in this case, it wasn't because nobody else got involved. What a brilliant story. Yeah. Can I ask you about Jaguar? Because if, if, if they made a mistake, and I'm a Jaguar person, mm-hmm. the XK surely is one of the, the, apart from the E. So I'd say the E was the greatest thing they ever did, design-wise. Mark II was pretty amazing. Was but nice, yeah. the XK for a modern car, I think, still looks brilliant. But they killed it and did the F-Type, which is a cool sports car and all that stuff, <laughs> but it's not the XK. No, it's not. And I'll tell you the story there. We we designed the XK, the, the aluminium one. You say aluminium here, don't you? Yes, aluminium. yes, yeah, no, aluminium. Aluminium. And, <clears throat> and so we designed that car, and it was a very successful car, and and it was a GT Cruiser. Mm. And um, and then we wanted a two-seater sports car, which was the F-Type. Now, the plan was the F-Type would sit alongside the XK. So when oh. we finished the F-Type, we then started to redo the next generation of XK. And we actually designed it. And it was slightly bigger because we realized we could put a little more gap between the two cars, give a little bit more leg room in the back. It was about 40 millimeters. It wasn't a huge amount. And the next XK was actually designed and shaped. And for whatever reason, the, the marketing guys decided the volume wasn't no there to compete in, in couldn't two do both. sectors. It couldn't do both. So they decided not to invest in it. I didn't know the which story. Was, which, was, which really hurt me a lot. because I'm not surprised. Because the F-Type was never meant to replace the XK. I'm, gla- I'm, I'm glad to hear that mm. because it doesn't make sense to me as a person who loves no. Jags. And, and as we designed the F-Type, of course, we were designing it to sit alongside. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. meant to re- if somebody said it's to replace it, I'd say, well, look, guys, you know, Don't get worry. back to my original point. Yeah. Let's work out what we want out of this, you know? Yeah. And, and then people would say, well, there's no room in the back seats. And I said, well, hold on a minute. You can get kids in the back seats. And it's always an excuse. It's an easier purchase for a guy to go and buy a four-seater than a two-seater. It is true. Speaking of which, you can, <laughs> I take it, you can appreciate others' designs. Sure. Nine eleven. Is that, it. is that the greatest design of a modern mass-produced supercar ever? Um, it's, a, it's a bit of an enigma, really. It's a bit, it's a bit strange in many ways because it's not a logical car. Just no. take the engine hanging out the back of a sports car. It just doesn't, apart from traction, doesn't make a lot of sense. But, of course, it's evolved from mm. C5, 6 and, and such like and Beatles. And I've always been a great Beatle fan, by the way. But... Yeah. Um, um, I, I've always loved them. I love the purity of them. I love the mechanics of them. And I do understand the technology of these things. And uh, I, I really have a great, great admirer of the 911. But where the, 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 the Porsche brand and the Germans were so good at is this sense of evolution. You know, the Brits get very bored very quickly and they go off <laughs> and redesign <laughs> stuff. And, 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 you know, and this is probably why the whole manufacturing process is, used to be. It's quite good now. It's very good now. But it used to be a bit haphazard because people would go and think up something else. Great inventors, mm. but no staying power. No, exactly. And and whereas the Germans were much more kind of processed and logical, and we've all learned from that. Yeah. But the nine eleven was just a, a you know it's a it's a a perfect story of evolution if ever there was one. And and because of that, people have held on to the brand and they've lived with it for fifty, sixty years exactly. for that reason. Whereas. 
Jaguar had a great winner and threw it away. But that's the, 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 the reason I asked the question, the 9-11 question, is because <clears throat> you look at the first 9-11 and look at today's 9-11, they're instantly recognisable. Yes. You, you got something right in the yes. first place. Yeah. You've held on to it. It's, <clears throat> yeah. it, it's a winner. Yeah. I, 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 I could literally, obviously, it's probably apparent to talk to you forever, but we, we, we can't. I, I'm astonished you've never been here before. Disappointed. Yeah, I was going to say disappointed you've never been here before. So enjoy the country and your stay, and uh, great pleasure to talk with you. Well, thank you very much. Thank Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen. In the country, and uh, I hope he does enjoy his stay, and I hope you enjoyed that as well if you love your cars. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will love our New Zealand Herald podcast, The Little Things, hosted by me, Francesca Rudkin, and my good friend, Louise Airy. We focus on all the little things that you can do to make a positive impact on your life and to cut through the confusion from the health and wellness industry. Join us every Saturday to hear from the experts for all the tips and advice you need. Just search The Little Things on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.